While most stores are closed, the Merrimack Bakehouse online store is still up and running. Go to merrimackpodcast.com to find easy, delicious mixes for breads, muffins, scones, and more. And there's free shipping on all orders over $50. Plus, check out our recipes that we've posted from previous podcast episodes. That's all on merrimackpodcast.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Mary Mack, where this week we are going to give you an epically long podcast. Sorry in advance. But today's recipe is for how to make an authentic Cuban sandwich. So I'm going to tell you the easy way first, (laughs) and then I'm going to tell you what I did and do as I build it from the ground up. Every single thing, except I didn't make the mustard, the condiment. But So today we're going to talk about Cuban sandwiches. If you don't know what a Cuban sandwich is, you haven't had a Cuban sandwich or an authentic Cuban sandwich, it is a uh, usually a grilled, a pressed grilled sandwich on Cuban bread, which is, Cuban bread is a, it's a soft bread that kind of looks like a baguette. So I guess the, the thing that I would compare it to for an American audience is a submarine sandwich bun or a hoagie, a hoagie roll. Uh, it's kind of like that, like a soft bread. It has a little bit more dense crust, but it's kind of a soft bread inside. Um, and in a European bread, it's probably... Is it kind of like a ciabatta? Similar to a ciabatta, a little thicker than a ciabatta, and it doesn't have a crusty outside texture. It's not really a true Levain type of a bread. It does have a regular yeast rise, but we'll t- go into that when we're talking about making it. So it it isn't baked with that hard, real super hard crust on it, um, even though it does have a bit of a crusty crust on it, but it's a softer bread. So it's it's very much similar to, um, okay, like, you know how you get that French bread at the grocery store that's really not French bread? It's just regular old white bread. French-esque yes. bread? Yes, French-esque bread. So it's sort of like that. So I guess if you were going to make a Cuban sandwich at home, the way to do it, the simple way to do it, is if you use like a, a loaf of French bread that you would get at the grocery store, not at a bakery. So you would want that softer French bread that you can get at a grocery store. And typically, like, if I would be making this normally and not in my ground-up style that I've been doing, (laughs) if I was doing my normal, we would, like, have a pork roast, and I would save the leftover pork from that. Because when you make a Cuban sandwich, the elements of a Cuban sandwich are the bread, regular old yellow mustard, pork roast sliced very thinly or shredded even, a good ham, like a lunch meat ham, and Swiss cheese. And dill pickles. So when you make a Cuban sandwich, what you do is you um, you take, uh, if you have a um, thing that I have that I can't remember the name of, if you have panini press? a panini press, thank you so much. It's right behind me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here we go with Mary can't remember words. So if you have a panini press, that's the really easiest way to make a Cuban sandwich. You can also do this trick, which is using two cast iron skillets. So you take you put, you put your sandwich in the cast iron skillet, and then you set another cast iron skillet on top of it to smush it, but it'll still, it's only toasting on one side, you know. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead. 
So what you basically do to make a Cuban sandwich is you take your bread and you cut it into about an eight inch long segment. So if you have a loaf of French bread, that's maybe like, they're usually like the ones at the grocery store, maybe like two feet long. So you could get like three or four sandwiches out of that. You could make them shorter if you want to. Cut your segment off of that and then split it open. And you're going to put mustard on both sides, not on both sides. Let me say that on the insides of the bread, not on all sides of the bread, but on the insides of the bread. And then you're going to layer um, and and the Swiss cheese, like uh, sometimes I slice it and sometimes I shred it. So the shredded Swiss cheese works really well because you you can spread it on better, but you can also use like a thinly sliced Swiss cheese. So put Swiss cheese down and then put your pork on top of that, like a thin layer of pork, a thin layer of ham, your pickle slices, put a few pickle slices along across that, another layer of Swiss cheese, and then put your other uh, mustard spreaded bread. Boy, that didn't sound good. But anyway, put that on top. So now you have a sandwich. Now, if you're using a skillet to do the pressing or browning of this, put some olive oil in your skillet and put your sandwich in there and press it down with something or put it in your panini press. You just spritz your panini press with uh, olive oil or some type of a nonstick spray and then put a piece of parchment paper on the bottom and on the top and put your Cuban sandwich in and press it until it's nicely grilled. And you can even like warm your meat up a little bit. Um, in a skillet or in the microwave and and make your sandwich then so your meat's already warmed up a little bit. And then you're going to press that and grill it until it's nice and crispy on the outsides. And then usually if you get them in a um, restaurant like around the Tampa area or um, even around like the Miami area where they're very popular in both of those cities, they'll cut it diagonally. It's like this fancy looking sandwich, but you can do whatever you want to. And that's your Cuban sandwich. That's a Cuban sandwich. It's pretty basic, but it's really good. The first time I ever had one was in the Longboat Key area. There's a little place called Harry's Deli that's on Gulf of Mexico Drive on the north end of Longboat Key. And I can honestly say they do make the best Cuban sandwich that I have ever had. But in the Tampa area, they also put salami on theirs, just like sliced Genoa salami, not the hard salami, but the soft salami, the Genoa salami. So... That's another little added thing in that area. But Cuban sandwiches are native to Florida. I was going to guess Cuba. No, it's, they came about, they were a little invention of Cuban people who were living in Florida. Is this one of those things like the Irish potato candy origin story? Um, no. Where it's from Irish people not living in Ireland? Yes, yes. Okay. This is, this is something that. Cuban people made to like take in their lunch and it's just like a a thing that they they made and I guess it the the origin story is a little bit there's some disagreement between the cities of Tampa and Miami but usually the origin of it is given as either Tampa or Key West where the people would just make them and take them to work with leftovers that they had and it would be like a, you know, you'd, you'd just be like anybody else making a sandwich to take to work. But this sandwich was a specific combination of really fantastic things, you know, that these people put together. And it became so popular, like a lot of dishes that we have learned about over the course of this podcast. It's something that became popular in the region just because some people started making it and sharing it with other people. And it just became a thing, you know. So, uh, like I said, around Tampa, just about every 
place in South Florida that you go offers a Cuban sandwich, which I always thought was kind of funny. We were at a convention in Orlando, and of all things, in the convention center, you know, they always have like little kiosks where you can go get something to eat. And they had Cuban sandwiches, and I thought that was kind of funny because there weren't other things, you know, <laughs> like like you would think, you know, it was like an odd thing to have at a, a convention, but that's how popular they are in South Florida. They're just something that, you know, it's like in the North uh, gas station hot dogs, you know what I mean? It's like you go to a gas station, everybody has hot dogs or slices of pizza or whatever. So in Florida, in South Florida, that's the thing you get is Cuban sandwiches. And they're all pretty good. They're one of those things that they're they're almost always good, you know. But in the Tampa area, they're a little bit different. They use a salami on them. And in Miami, they don't use a salami. But they almost always use um, some very specific things when you get them. In, and they're legitimate. Is uh, The one thing is the Cuban bread, which I'm going to tell you how to make today. And I'm going to have these recipes up. But they're longer than a normal recipe. They're not going to fit on a recipe card. So I'm probably just going to use the whole paper and put like a blog post or something, you know, be more like a blog post. So they all use Cuban bread. They don't substitute in like you often see on some of these recipe sites online. They tell you to use a sausage roll or something like that. They don't. They're they're Cuban bread. And it's not hard bread to make either. It's it's um. It's a different style of bread to make. It's pretty easy. It's a little more involved than normal, but not not too much. If you're making bread already, it's it's just a different style, but it's good. It's like something that I think once you made it and you liked it, it would be something that would be in your regular bread rotation because it's just really good. And then the pork roast is a Cuban style pork roast. And I'm going to give you a recipe for that and tell you a little bit of stuff I've done with that. The ham can be any good lunch meat ham. I, I highly recommend not using like leftover ham that you slice down because for some reason I've tried that and it just doesn't taste right because it's sort of, you know, you want that kind of lunch meat kind of flavored ham in there. So I got some real good Bavarian style ham lunch meat and I've used that. I've used honey ham lunch meat. Bavarian. Bavarian. Bavarian? Yes. Not Barbarian? Not. Not Barbarian. Did I put an R and a B where I didn't you need them to barvarian. be? Barbarian. It's Bavarian. Bavarian, Bavarian. Okay. Listen, I'm focused on Cuban pronunciations today. I can't be swinging around all you over can't Europe. You to the German stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, help me. I have enough trouble with English. But the ham, you don't want to use like, um, you know, like a cheap kind of ham. Use a nice ham. And then the pickles are always dill pickles. I've been using the um, little dill pickle midgets, they call them, those little short ones, and then just slice them up real thin. But I use my own homemade pickles in them that I had my refrigerator dill pickles, and they worked just, they were really good. So that made me proud because actually I made, I did everything except for the ham lunch meat the one time I made them. So I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is cool. So, um, but it's, it's a, it's just a good sandwich. So here's where we're going to start is the Cuban roast pork. The style of roast pork that they use on a typical Cuban sandwich is pork that, uh, it's a pork roast. And it's usually a boneless pork shoulder roast, but you can also use a pork loin but it's a little, there's a big difference there in those cuts of meat. So there's two things you need to know. If you're going to use a pork loin and roast that, you want to roast it in your oven and take it to 150 degrees internal temperature. If you take it to a higher temperature than that, it's going to get really tough. So 
This won't take as long. For example, if you did like a one pound segment of pork loin or a two pound segment of pork loin, it might take maybe two hours. It won't take you that long. But here's the preparation. When you're doing a Cuban pork roast, the key ingredient is a marinade that is called, and I hope I'm, I hope I say this, I'm trying really hard, I've been practicing, mojo criollo. And it is a marinade that is made with um, orange juice because apparently in Cuba, there's a certain type of orange that just is very prevalent and it's a little bit more sour than a normal orange that you're used to getting in the grocery store in the United States. So it's not going to be like a navel orange. It's very tart. And these oranges are very prevalent. So they're used in a lot of cooking, a lot of Cuban cooking. And they're used in this marinade. And it's this marinade's pretty simple. If you don't have those sour oranges, which you probably won't, you need a cup of orange juice. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't have said too many words. Okay. Oh, help me. Okay. So here's, here's what you need to make the mojo criollo. You need one cup of sour orange juice. However, since you're probably not going to have sour orange juice, you're going to do two thirds of the cup is going to be lemon juice, regular old lemon juice. And then one part of it is going to be orange juice. So one third of the cup will be orange juice. And that gives you a nice sour yet orangey juice. 10 to 12 garlic cloves, which is a lot, but you will appreciate that in the end. One teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of pepper, one teaspoon of oregano, and a fourth cup of olive oil. Okay, so what you want to do is you're going to put all these ingredients in a blender and blend them up to make this marinade. However, I would suggest you take the garlic cloves, what you want to do is um, take your garlic cloves and run them through your garlic press or chop them up fine before you put them into your blender or food processor because garlic is weird and it sometimes floats around and doesn't actually chop up. So you end up with these big chunks of garlic. Now, once you have this all mixed up, you're going to put your one or two pound pork loin in there or your four or five pound pork shoulder because that's about what you're going to get as a pork shoulder, and you're going to put them into the bag with the marinade, and you're going to let them marinate overnight, I would say 24 hours if at all possible. Now, we did a pork shoulder in our smoker. If you have a smoker, that's a great way to do this. If you don't have a smoker, your oven is fine, okay? So what you're going to do, you're going to brine your meat all night long, 24 hours, and you're going to turn it over every once in a while, and it's very tight, nice, tight Ziploc bag. And then you're going to, when you're ready to roast this the next day, when this all comes together, you're going to put it in a pan with a lid into your oven at 275 degrees, and then you're going to just roast it in there until it's done and check the temperature. Now, if for the pork loin you're going to want a temperature of about 150 degrees and a pork loin is going to take maybe two to three hours like that. If it's a one pound, like probably more like two hours, but a two pound is going to be two to three hours. If it's a pork shoulder, it's going to take longer because a pork shoulder is very fatty. So you want to get it up into a higher internal temperature 
And they usually say 90 minutes per pound, <laughs> um, which I discovered too late. And I'll tell you about that when I get to that. But so for your, if you're going to do a pork shoulder and it's a bigger roast, you're going to plan on several hours for that. Okay. So this is a bit of an endeavor to do. You roast those and you, you pour, when you put them into your pan to roast them, you're going to just go ahead and pour that marinade right over them into the pan and just roast it right in there. And um, like I said, the pork loin, you want to take it out when it comes up to 150 degrees internally, you can take that out and it's ready to go. The pork shoulder is going to take longer. If you can find a smaller pork shoulder than a five pounder, go for it because they're not easy to find. I think you can also use a, what they call a, um, a pork rump roast, or it's like, it's called a ham, a fresh ham. That's what it is. You can also use that cut. If you can find them in the smaller size, you know, like the one to two pound size, definitely good because they cook better and faster. And then when this is done, you'll have this delicious smelling, it smells really good, very garlicky, very delicious. Okay. So when it's done, you can either eat some of that just as a regular meal and then save the leftovers for your sandwich, or you can try to make this all happen at once, which is not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> So I can tell you that. Now, we smoked a pork uh, shoulder, a boneless pork shoulder, and it happened to be a 10-pounder. So, yeah, that's when I found out about that 90 minutes per pound thing. Did you smoke it for a week? I'm telling you, it would have taken a week. I I cheated and took it out and put it in the oven because I couldn't take it anymore. We smoked it for all day one day, all day. But I doubled the marinade recipe. I marinated it for 24 hours. We put it in the smoker on a Sunday morning, and I gave up at 10.30 Sunday night. It hit a stall for five hours, and I said, I'm done with this thing. So I took it it and put it in the oven and got it up to 195 degrees internally, but I really should have left it in the smoker. So lesson learned, the next time I do this, if I end up with another 10-pounder, I'm going to put it in at midnight the night before. And let it go all night and all the next day, then it should be done. But it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was so good. You got it we we smoked it over apple wood. So the smoke was not super intense, but the meat was it was so good. It had a good flavor, very garlicky, and you got this little bit of uh you got that little bit of orange and oregano on the outside. It was very good. You know, I guess that good. is the good thing about, uh, you know, everybody with a stay-at-home order. You're not going anywhere, so you can smoke something for 48 hours if you hey, need to. That's why You'll I wanted, be home. Listen, that's why we're doing this recipe right now. We've just been handed a news update. It stalled at 175 degrees. Yes, it stalled at 175 degrees, and doggone it, when we took it out five hours later, it was 179 Oh, it was unbelievable. But anyway, I'll uh, write up the instructions for smoking it. But basically, it's it's basically the same as smoking if you were going to make pulled pork, you know. But you're just using this mojo marinade that is, it's a different flavor. Very good. But it even roasted in the oven. I did the pork loin, roasted in the oven, and it it was very good. And we did the same thing. We used it for, uh, I've just been on this kick for Cuban sandwiches. I don't know why. But anyway, we did the pork loin and it worked pretty well. I tried to get it to develop a nice crust on the outside and I shouldn't have. I should have just pulled it, you know, used my head. But anyway, it was still good. 
uh, yeah, if you if you roast them in the oven, you're going to roast them covered because they. I think it's a nice way to do it because it really keeps the moisture in the meat. It speeds up the process a little bit too, but it holds that flavor in also, and it, it would make it very good. So either way, when you pull them out, when you pull it off the smoker, when you pull it out of the oven, let them rest a little bit, and then slice them up. You know, rest for fifteen or twenty minutes. You can even wrap them in foil and let them rest. Slice them up, and they're ready to go. If you luck out and have all your other stuff done first, it'll be most awesome, which I'm hoping to do the next time because I really blew it this last time. <laughs> I had the bread done. I had the bread done. I had everything ready. I had the ham. Everything was ready, but the pork loin was not. So we ate it the next day. No big deal. So that's the, that's the roast part of it. Okay. So now you got your, you have your uh, roast ready. Now here's your Cuban bread. Now listen. If you're going to do this, here's the thing. You, you, you marinate your meat. You put it in the oven, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that because you know it's going to be a little while. Then you start making your bread, okay? So it should theoretically all come together at close to the same time. Unless you get a 10-pounder. Yes, unless you get a 10-pounder and you do some dumb thing like that. Oh, well, I do things like that. It just happens. We smoked it. We smoked the big the big uh, shoulder at 225 too, which we probably should have cranked it up, but we smoked it at 225, you know, slow and low. <sighs> then I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, why is this taking so long? And I looked up some stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, it says to figure on 90 minutes per pound. What? So yeah, it would have been like 15 hours minimum. Oh, so anyway, so anyway, when I put my, my 10 pounder in the smoker I then started making my Cuban bread <laughs> you could have made so much more bread I well I made eight loaves of it so you know <laughs> I quadrupled this recipe don't panic this recipe only makes two loaves so the Cuban bread is also a little bit of prep now Cuban bread like I said is not a Levain however it does use uh the recipe that I found um oh by the way I forgot to mention the recipe for the mojo marinade comes from uh, a blog called The Hungry Cuban, and the author of it is named Chef Juan, and he had a really nice recipe and telling about it and everything on his site. Very good site, very helpful site. Now, the the Cuban bread recipe I got from all recipes from uh, Chef John, and he had a video about doing this. Now, I, um, of course, Mary Macked it after I use his recipe, I merry-macked it a little bit, not too much, but a little bit, because I did it in my style. I feel like I need to interrupt. Yes? So, the recipes are from Juan and John? Yes. Isn't that funny? Do you think it's possible they may be the same person? No. No, I watched both of their videos. They okay. are not the same person. Chef, Just, that's a, Chef that's John. a crazy coincidence. <laughs> Listen, Chef John on all recipes is hilarious. So I, what I did, I made his Cuban bread recipe. I tried it. Then I talked to my niece's husband, who is my nephew. <laughs> I talked to my nephew's mom. My nephew is Cuban and his mom learned how to cook all sorts of Cuban dishes from her mother-in-law. So I talked to him. Then I talked to her and I got the skinny on everything, you know, so I talked to her about the bread recipe, and we went back and forth a little bit, so I got a little bit of more information from the bread recipe. 
So the bread recipe is um, a pretty basic bread recipe, but it has this little element, which I call a booster. And what the booster is, it's kind of almost like making a starter for, um, it's as if you were making a starter for sourdough bread, except for you weren't letting it grow. You just started it and then you, the next day you said, okay, now I'm going to use it. So that's basically what this is. And what it does is it actually adds a little element of, it adds a little flavor element to the bread. And it also gives it a, an interesting texture. And when you slice the bread, it's um, got a very, very small, fine grain to it. Uh, very tiny air bubbles in it, um, which I thought was kind of a cool, cool thing. So the night before you're going to make your bread, this is a two loaf recipe. You're going to make your booster. So you're going to use a half cup of unbleached flour. That's just unbleached white flour. Um, a half cup of warm water, a half teaspoon of dry yeast, regular old yeast, and mix that up in a bowl. You're going to put that in your refrigerator, and I'm going to suggest you're only going to have like a cup of liquid here, but use like a four-cup measuring cup to put this in just in case. I've had accidents in the refrigerator related to starters before, so use a like a four-cup bowl you know, and then you're going to put plastic wrap over that and put it in your refrigerator, okay? The next day when you're going to make your bread, you take your booster out of the refrigerator and set it on the counter to sort of get it up to room temperature, which it'll grow even more, which is the fun part. So take it out maybe an hour before you're going to do your bread, okay? So here's what you're going to do. In a separate bowl, you're going to put... um all together, you're going to need like oh, probably about six or seven cups of flour, maybe. So in your bowl, you're going to put about three cups of flour, and you're going to add to that. For about three cups of flour, is that like heaping cups no, or a little bit less? Measure regular. Don't measure, yeah. just So three cups of flour. Yeah, put three cups of flour in there. Put either one packet or one tablespoon of dry yeast. Instant active yeast is fine to use two teaspoons of raw sugar and you're going to need three tablespoons of butter that's softened not melted just softened butter or pork lard if it's available to you you may not want to use lard in it but that's what cuban bread is made with is softened lard so if you don't want to use lard you can use butter should you use salted or unsalted butter you can use either it doesn't matter doesn't matter one bit. So just uh, three tablespoons of softened butter, okay? And then one cup of very warm water, not boiling hot water, but very warm water, two teaspoons of kosher salt, okay? Now you're going to mix that up, mix up your dry ingredients, throw your butter in there, throw your warm water in there, and mix that all up really well. And once it's mixed, you're going to add your booster to that and stir that in as well. Just mix it all up. It's going to be really sticky. You want to mix it until the fat is well blended in, but it's going to be really sticky, okay? Now, once you have it pretty well mixed, start adding flour by about a half a cup at a time over the top of the dough and mix it in until it starts to ball up like it's not super sticky, but it's starting to form a ball. So once you have a ball, you're going to start kneading it. And it should barely stick to your hands. So what I did, I kind of floured my hands as I did this so that I could actually knead it. You don't want to keep adding too much flour. You want to add just enough so you have like a very lightly sticky dough. 
but you can still knead it. And you'll know, like, you don't want it to be sticking to your hands and you can't get it off. So once you have it kneaded into a nice little ball, you're going to put that into an oiled bowl and let it rise. Turn it to coat it, let it rise. I cover it with plastic wrap, okay? And you want to let it rise till it's doubled, probably an hour. Then punch it down. And what you're going to do is, this is how I did it. I punched it down, and while it was coming up again, I got my stuff ready. So what you want to do is either on a clean countertop or on a table, you want to make an area where you're going to prep your loaves. You want to use a baking sheet that's been lined with parchment paper, and you're going to need some cornmeal to put on that. So get a baking sheet or two baking sheets. Line with parchment. Yeah, two baking sheets. That's how I did it. Okay, two baking sheets lined with parchment paper. Put some cornmeal on them. And it helps a lot if you put a little binder clip on the edge of the parchment paper in the tray so it doesn't just slide off. Yeah, that's my classic cheat, and I love it. It works really well. Now, to form your loaves, you're going to divide your dough in half, and you're going to form each half into a rectangle that's about 12 inches long and 6 inches wide. Okay, after you form it into a rectangle, let it rest for 10 minutes. Starting on the long side, roll each rectangle into a long loaf and then press the seam together really well. Then you're going to put them seam side down on the pan with the parchment and the cornmeal on it. Okay, now if you were making a true Cuban loaf, you would then take your palmetto leaf and stick it down the middle of the loaf to bake, which what it does is, while it's baking, it adds a sort of a flavor to the dough, but it also splits the top of the loaf. That's the traditional way that you make Cuban bread. However, if you're nowhere that has palmetto leaves, which you may not be, there's a, there are those annoying things that grow all over Florida. They're ridiculous, and all over the South pointy, spiky little things that grow. So anyway, if you don't have a palmetto around, you're going to take a knife and you're going to score the entire length of the loaf about an eighth inch deep, okay? Then you're going to spread your shelves out in the oven so you have one on the bottom and one on the top, and you're going to put one of your loaves on the bottom and one of them on the top. Then you're going to mist your oven with water or, as I did because I don't have a mister, I used my basting brush... And I soaked it in water and flipped it into the oven, sprinkled a bunch of sprinkles in there. And then I baked them for 10 or 11 minutes. And then I switched positions and baked them for 10 or 11 minutes more. Total, it was like 22 minutes. When the bread is done, it has this beautiful golden crust on it. It's just, it looks really, it's very pretty bread. So when it's done, you're going to cool it on racks until it's nice and cool, then you're going to make your Cuban sandwiches with it because your meat has come out of the oven and is ready to go. Theoretically. Theoretically, as soon as your bread is cold. So you're going to take your loaves of Cuban bread, you're going to split them down the middle and cut them in half, and then you're going to put mustard in them and Swiss cheese and delicious mojo pork and ham and pickles, and more Swiss cheese, and more mustard, and cook them in your panini press to make a delicious meal that took you 48 hours to prepare. <laughs> but well worth it. Well worth it. And that is how you make a Cuban sandwich. 
<laughs> I feel like this is yet another great addition to the um what is this is becoming a multi-course meal that ends in a Smith Island cake. <laughs> Yes, it'll take you two weeks to prepare this whole meal. This is called the pandemic cookbook. Things that take a really long time to make. Oh, my goodness. But I'm telling you what, if you ever have a free weekend and you want to do like if you if you are a Cuban sandwich lover, as I am, and you want to make the Cuban sandwich, this is it. This is it. And the bread, like I said, the bread is pretty simple. It's not much different than standard bread. And I do have that. I, I can put that up really easy, no problem. And I'll get the, the other stuff up. But I'm telling you, a good Cuban sandwich, even a bad Cuban sandwich is pretty good. But a good Cuban sandwich, is there's nothing like it in the world. Just, just fantastic. And, of course, you can always put salami on it like they do in Tampa. I'm not a huge salami lover, but I do love Harry's, and they put salami on theirs. Um, but they're, they're just, it's just such a good sandwich. I really enjoy them myself. And, it, and they're like, we ate them the other night. We had them for supper. The other, well, we actually had them for supper, um, twice or three times this week, twice. And they're very filling. So it's so funny. Cause I was thinking about making a side dish and then I said, nah, we have potato chips. That'll work. <laughs> so I hope you do give this a try and, uh, I'll get the, I'll get the recipes up as soon as I can for the, um, for everything, because, you know. We're coming up to those summer months and it's always fun to get out the smoker or do something that you can have. Like if you if you smoke a 10 pound pork shoulder, you can make like 30 Cuban sandwiches with it. OK, so, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, it's one of those, you know, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> OK, that's all I got. Well, make sure to check us out online on Facebook and Instagram at Mary Mac Bakehouse, on Twitter at Mary Mac Podcast and Mobile Mary Mac, and on our website, MaryMacPodcast.com. Thanks a lot for listening if you did, and if you didn't, too bad for you.